Yeah, there's a war going on. There's a war going on in this universe and here on planet Earth. You may not be aware of it, but there is. The good thing about this war, the good thing to know as a believer is the Bible tells us it's the Lord's battle. It's the Lord's war. And so the battle is the Lord's. It's God's war. When Adam and Eve fell from their glorified, unsinful state, God declared war. You see, it was Satan who had declared war against God. Satan had declared war against the throne of heaven. And when he did that, he he declared war in this way, to take on God's creation, to corrupt it and to steal it and to destroy it. And that's what he's come into this world to do. The enemy, Satan, the devil. So this is what God said to Adam and Eve and Satan in the garden as part of the curse. And this is a verse of scripture that you need to understand. Or really, you, you, it, 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 you don't understand the rest of all the scripture really in the proper context. This verse sets the context for the entire rest of scripture all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. You'll see it up on the screen. God said this, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He's talking to the woman. He's talking to the serpent, the dragon, the cherub, the the serpent, the dragon of old back in the garden who came in, deceived Eve. She gave to to Adam and they both ate and they both disobeyed God. And the, the glory that they had, the light suits that they had on were gone and they knew that they were naked. And when God found them in the garden, there was a curse of sin that came. And this is what God said at the conclusion of that. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, the enemy, the dragon, that serpent of old, would would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, but he would crush the serpent's head. And so there's a war going on between the seed of the serpent the serpent, Satan himself, the serpent cherub, and the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is Christ, but also we are the seed of Christ. So we are the offspring of the Lord. And so if you've ever wondered why there's an attack globally on uh, the Jews and Christians, it's because those of uh, those who are God's seed that Satan despises and hates, and he's in battle and war against them. So there's a war going on. The Apostle Peter tells us this way in 1 Peter 5.8. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, I like how, how Peter put that. The devil walks around like a roaring lion, but we know that our God is a roaring lion. Amen? He's not like a roaring lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, Paul tells Satan uh, tells us that Satan presents himself as an angel of light. You're familiar with that passage in the Corinthians that he seeks to deceive, and he comes. And, and we know from the accounts, that the biblical accounts about Satan, that he was beautiful, that he was perfect that he was he was he was incredible and he comes as an angel of light to deceive he comes to deceive us he comes to bring strife into situations he comes to bring strife into homes and into into workplaces and into all kinds of things into churches even he comes to bring division he wants to bring destruction so what are we to do 
How should the believer in Christ be ready for and engaged in this war? Well, the Apostle Paul right here in Ephesians, this letter that we've been going over for the last several, many weeks, a couple, few months now, actually, tells us, Paul tells us how we can be ready for and engage in this spiritual warfare that we're in. Tonight, we're going to take a look at just one verse of Scripture, Ephesians 6, verse 10. And, and so, in that case, let me just stop. We should all memorize it tonight, right? You know, we should, we, walk, we should walk out of here being able to quote this verse, amen? Ephesians 6, verse 10. This verse gives us found a foundational key for being ready for spiritual warfare. So what should the Christian do to be ready for spiritual warfare? Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen? So let's take a look at it. Be strong. Verse 10. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If we're going to be ready and prepared for the battle, we have to be made strong. Just like the clip I showed you, they found this guy. He had some noble qualities. He had some good qualities. He outsmarted him. If you've seen the movie, remember when they said, you know, go up and get the flag, and all the guys are trying to go up and up on the flagpole and get the flag, and then he comes along and just takes the pin out. The flagpole goes over, and he grabs the flag. He was the first one to do it in how many years, Connor? Ever. <laughs> he was the first one ever to do that. So he showed he, he was smart and he, remember, he laid on the grenade, so he showed that he was selfless. But when you looked at him, you're like, ah, this guy doesn't have a, a, a muscle on his body. And so they injected him with all these, you know, chemicals and all this stuff to make him Captain America. Well, God's not going to inject us with any chemicals, but he does want us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He does want to give us his power and his might so that we can be ready to face the struggles, the battle that we're in, this the battle of spiritual warfare. We need supernatural strength. You're not going to, Christian, you're not going to fight this battle in your own strength, and your own intellect, and your own, you're going to figure it out. No, you need supernatural power from God to do this. We need supernatural power. Now, the Apostle Paul, he says here in verse 10, he says, finally, finally, brothers. He's moving to a close of the, the letter, the letter. So whenever Paul does that, he usually says, you know, finally, brothers, or something like that. And so he's drawing us in, so to speak. Hey, I'm going to conclude the letter now. And wow, he just gets you on the edge of your seat. And then he lays in another whole layer of this awesome teaching about how we need to be ready for spiritual warfare. The, 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 this little section here right at the end after he says, finally, brothers. So when, whenever you look at the word finally there, you got to take into account everything else that he's already said, right? And I'm not going to go through it all, but just think of all that he said. That we were lost in our sins, we were dead, we were far away from the commonwealth. We were nothing without God, but God through his sovereign will and a plan that he put together before the foundation of the world came into this world to be the redeemer and the savior. And he has brought you near who were far away. He's made you his masterpiece. He's made you a great work that he's doing an incredible thing in you. And wow, he's taught us how to live. He's brought us out of darkness into light. In fact, he's made us light. We learned about all this. These are all the wonderful things that we've learned right here in the book of Ephesians. So he says, finally, brothers, finally, brothers and sisters. Amen. Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. 
Paul says, be strong in the Lord. If we're going to live the Christian life, we've got to be strong in the Lord. Those that are weak get taken advantage of by the enemy. If you're weak, if your guard is down, if you don't have the strength, the enemy will take advantage. In fact, that's a tactic that is used in all warfare. You want to attack the weakness. You want to attack, you use that in sports, right? When a player goes down, he's limping. Remember when, you know, Rocky was facing, uh, who was it? One of those fights, you know, where the guy hurt his arm. He hurt his arm, and the trainers were going, go for it, Rocky, go for it. You know, as soon as they knew that that, that, that other boxer's arm was hurt, it's like, you know, now, now it's time to go. And so the enemy knows this, and he is going to take advantage of those that are weak. Literally, what Paul says here in, in the language, if you look at it, he says, be strong in the Lord. He says, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. And the idea, one of the commentators I read, he said um, that Paul possibly, possibly could have gotten the idea through the Spirit from 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, where it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. And so this is a habit. This is something that we've got to do as believers. We've got to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Because a lot of times, you know, it's kind of like uh, everything else. You know, no one's going to get you up out of bed in the morning, you know. You know, not even God's going to wake you up sometimes. Sometimes you sleep through all your alarms and you've snoozed it 14 times already. You're already, you're so late, just go back to bed for the next day. Amen. And, uh, you know, you, you've, got, you've, got to, you've got to get up in the morning and you've got to strengthen yourself in the Lord. You've got to strengthen yourself. Uh, the fact of the matter is that everybody wants to be strong. Everybody wants to be strong. You know, sooner or later, everybody you know, signs up for the why, you know, they go down and get a lifestyles membership or they go to LA fitness or whatever, you know, and they walk around, you know, they get the outfit, they get the shoes and they get, you know, and they walk around, you know, they walk around and say, Hey, you know, this place is nice. Look at this water fountain over here. You know? Yeah. The water fountain's nice, but there's some weights over here and some, you know, stair stepper things and all this stuff. And you got to get on one of them. And get, get going. Everybody wants to be strong, but you know what? You've got you've to do it. You've got to do it. Let me take you. I, I read this in a, uh, in a devotional that a, a pastor, a famous pastor wrote. And he wrote this uh, devotional on being ready and being prepared. And, uh, and he said this, and he quotes from 1 Timothy 4.8. It says this, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important. For it promises a reward in both this life and the next. So what Paul's saying to Timothy there is, yeah, physical exercise, wonderful. Keep yourself uh, physically fit, all that good stuff. I was actually talking to a marathon runner today. And I was asking, I, I, don't, I don't get often to talk to a marathon runner, so I just asked this person all kinds of questions. And everything I read about it was true, you know, that, that it's hard. And, and, you know, and, and, she, and she told me, she, I said, now look, I've read about the runners hitting the wall and all that. And is it true? And she said, yes, you hit the wall and you want to stop and you want to whatever, but you go through it and you go into, they call it a runner's high. And, the, and she said, once you get to the runner's high, then you can just keep going and keep going. So, but Paul's saying, look, physical exercise is great. It is, it is beneficial, but spiritual exercise is much more important. Why? Because it has benefit for this life and the life on the other side of, of the grave. Uh, and so we've got to do this. We've got to be ready for what um, uh, the enemy might throw at us. 
This is what this pastor wrote of his own personal experience. He said, it had been a long time between rides. I was looking forward to the moment that in my mind, I was already barreling down the bike path, taking the hills with the greatest of ease and feeling the fire in my muscles as I pushed them past their limit. I almost missed him when I pulled my bike off the rack, the back of the car. As I made myself ready to mount my bike and embark on my morning ride, he spoke up. You going to do the beginner path or the intermediate? I turned to see the little man with the stopwatch in his hand and answered with a cocky tone. Oh, I might just go for the advanced. Yeah, he mused, looking me up and down. In a matter of minutes, I discovered that Warren was an elderly Jewish man who was into fit personal fitness training. He was there timing his group of Olympic wannabes when I happened to sovereignly stumble upon him. I don't consider myself easily led, but rather a leader. I'm not sure exactly how he did it, but within the course of two sentences, he had connected with my court of competition, and I found myself down on the pavement at, at, uh, at the park giving him 50 push-ups. More likely than not, it was his comment about my being soft that sprang me into a mini-marathon to disprove his accusation. But the more I struggled to disprove him, the more reality revealed that I was not in the kind of shape that could withstand the test. Our Christian life can be like that morning in the park. We can feel strong in our mind, ready to take on the challenge of a marathon ride. But when the professional trainer brings the challenge our way, the stark reality of our inadequacy surfaces. When it comes to the spiritual battleground, we can be found soft. That's why scripture encourages us to focus on spiritual exercise. Caleb was a man who knew this truth, and at the ripe old age of 85, he made this bold statement, bold and adventurous statement. As yet, I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in the day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Notice the six small words that makes this old man's claim a testimony to his spiritual fortitude. Rather than an impotent boast, he says, the Lord will be with me. The key to Caleb's confidence is the time that he invested in his relationship with God. Because he knew the depth of God's sufficiency, he was undaunted by his own deficiency. He had developed the muscles of his inner man by working out his faith in fear and trembling, knowing that it is God who worked in him. So we've got to be ready. Amen. And sometimes we think we're ready. We think we're ready. We think we're ready. And tonight is just one of those wake up calls. It's one of those wake up calls that we have to say, hey, look, let's take an inventory. Let's look at ourselves and let's strengthen ourselves in the Lord. And that's what the apostle is telling us to do here. In verse 10 of Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I want to take a look specifically at this little phrase now, uh, in the Lord. He says, be strong in the Lord. And Paul says, strengthen yourself, strengthen yourself in the Lord. But I want to talk about this whole idea of being strong in the Lord. There is a way that God is 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 uh, with us and he strengthens us at all times. Uh, Jesus was telling his disciples that he was going back to the Father. And in John 16, verses 5 through 7, I'll read that 
uh, for you if you want to turn over there with me. John 16, beginning at verse 5, it says this, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Verse 7 I'll have up on the screen in case you haven't turned. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go, if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so Jesus is talking about the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was promised to come and to be poured out on all flesh. Back in the prophets. Specifically, the prophet Joel prophesied of the Spirit being poured out on all flesh. And Jesus is talking about that. He's like, I've got to go away. I'm going back to, 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 to the Father. I'm going back to the Father. And look, this has troubled them. You know, if, if, if you had seen the things that the, the disciples had seen, I know for a fact, I would say, Jesus, no, don't go. Just stay right here. In fact, wherever you go, I'm going to try to go. And that's what they told him. He said, no, I, I'm going somewhere. You can't even follow me. Number one, I'm going to the cross. And you can't go with me there. And I'm going to the Father. But look, it's to your benefit that I go away. Because if I go away, the, whole, the, the helper, the Holy Spirit will come. Now, after the resurrection, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And in John chapter 20, verses 19 and 20, uh, to 22, if you want to turn over there, it says this. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. Verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy, we have, and Pastor Chuck Smith uh, was one. I'm sure there were others that brought this teaching out, but I learned it from Pastor Chuck Smith, the threefold relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit. And that relationship, that threefold relationship is identified by three Greek prepositions. The first one is para, and that means beside. It means to come alongside. It's where the Holy Spirit comes alongside to convict us of our sin and to convince us that we need him and that we need a savior. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside the unbeliever and he, and he, and he brings that judgment. He brings that conviction to them. And, and you come to that. And if you're saved here this morning, this evening, you've come to that place where you said, I, woe is me, I need you, Jesus, Right? You've, you've come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has para. He's come alongside you. Now, secondly, the second Greek preposition is en, en. That's when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. You receive the Holy Spirit in that sense. And that usually happens at salvation. You accept the Lord. He comes inside. He comes to dwell. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of you. And then there's one more relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit, and that is designated by the Greek preposition epi, epi, E-P-I. And this is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, upon you in power, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we want to be 
strong in the Lord, but it's in the power of his might. Look at the concluding uh, phrase there in verse 10 of Ephesians 6. It says, and in the power of his might. So many believers try to go out there under their own power. They, they think that, well, I've got this. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for the blood of Christ and all those wonderful things. But I'm going to go out into the world and I'm going to try to do it. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we're going to be in this battle, if we're going to be ready for the battle, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we have that uh, infusion of the Holy Spirit and that uh, that coming upon of the Holy Spirit as he comes upon us to make us that person that is ready to be a warrior in this spiritual battle. We've got to go out in Jesus power. We've got to live it in God's power. Now in Acts chapter one, Jesus told them that the Holy Spirit would come upon them and that they would receive power. But I want to draw your attention to a verse of scripture in Luke chapter 24, verse 49. I'm going to have it up on, your, on the screen for you um, in the NIV. I know I normally read from the New King James, but I want to read it. I'm going to read it in both translations. I'm going to first read it in the NIV, then I'll read it in the New King James. It says this, Luke 24, 49. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. In the King James, it says, and many of you will be familiar with the wording in the, King, the New King James, which is similar to the King James. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. There's that phrase, upon. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I want to call, call your attention to a couple of the, the words here, a couple of the commands. The first one is stay. He says, stay in the city. He says, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. You're going to receive power. But I want you to stay in the city. Stay in the city until this power has come upon you. The word stay there is a word. It's actually to make, to sit down, to set, to appoint. Uh, to sit down, to, to have fixed one's abode, to sojourn, to settle, to settle down. In other words, the idea there was to stay, absolutely to stay until you've been endued with this power from on high. Until you've been clothed with this power, I want you just to, to settle. Now we know that it was exactly 10 days after the ascension. He ascended on the 40th day after the resurrection, but on the 50th day was when the power came down. Amen. In Acts chapter 2. Now, I want to draw your attention to the word um, in the New King James, endued, but I like the way that the NIV put it. I don't always like the NIV, but I like the way that the NIV puts it in this particular verse. He says, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power. The New King James says endued. When's the last time you used that word? <laughs> no, haven't used that. But I do put on clothes every morning. Amen? And what God's saying is here, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power. Until you've been clothed with power. And so the word there in the New Testament is this, to sink into clothing, to put on, to clothe oneself. So stay in the city until you've been clothed with power. Now, Look at that. Clothed with power. Clothed with power. 
people talk about a, a power suit, right, in business. They talk about a power suit. You know, you got a big meeting coming up, you got a big appointment, you got a big interview, you go out and get a power suit. If you've already got a suit and you can't afford another one, maybe you go out and get yourself a power tie. Now, ladies, I don't know what you all wear that's a power. I mean, I think you all look great all the time. But, you know, for us guys, we need some extra help. We need a power suit and a power tie. We, we need some extra help so that we can look sharp. And so you talk about a power suit. Well, this is what God's talking about. Uh, wait in the city until you get clothed with power, until you get a power suit. Amen? Now, this would be cool if this went viral. <laughs> the power suit has been put out by this fabulous designer. Incredible designer. He's designed many things. Designed the universe, among other things. Have you heard of him? Hagio Numa. Hagio. Go ahead. Hagio Numa. Thank you, Jake. Hagio Numa. Thank you. Right with that was that was the the punchline of the whole message, amen. Hagiyonuma, you guys are looking like, hmm, hmm, hmm. yeah, the Holy Spirit, amen. The Holy Spirit. To joke, folks. To joke. All right. Yeah. So you can include that in your you know your hashtag, your whatever as you leave. Hey, we learned about getting a power suit from Hagionuma, the Holy Spirit. This is the way that Jesus put it in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses, witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The end of the earth. So, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit. I actually, when I started off in ministry, I started off in youth ministry. And uh, I had this vision of the youth group being a place where, where teenagers could come in and just receive power to, to live in this culture as a teenager. It's tough. It was tough 20 years ago. And how many know it's tougher today? With, you know, nude pictures of, of Kim Kardashian going around the Internet. And if you're on the internet, you, you've, you've, whoa, what's that? If you're on Facebook, if you're on Fox News website, they have all linked to it. Everybody that I know of has linked to these pictures. And they're being flooded out there. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to, to live in this world. And... What I wanted to do was I wanted the, the youth group to be a place where young people could come in and be filled with the Spirit and have the power of the Spirit in their lives. So we named it Power Source. And we had, these two, we had this logo that was two magnets, and it had a, uh, like a lightning bolt in the center of it, and then it had this verse, this reference, Acts 1-8, in the middle of it. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be witnesses unto me to Jerusalem in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. So, upon, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, he's in you, but to come upon you. And the best illustration I've ever come up with, and I've taught 
all these scriptures every which way that you can teach them is a place that if you ever go to Niagara Falls that you've got to go to, okay? How many have been to Niagara Falls, New York? You've seen the falls. When you go, you've got to go to a place called Goat Island, all right? When you go to Goat Island, that's an island that sits right in between the American Falls and the, the Horseshoe, or what they call the Canadian Falls. When you go to Goat Island, you go on a thing called Cave of the Winds. Cave of the Winds. Just do not, do, do not even question it. If you find yourself in Niagara Falls, New York, just do this. You'll, you'll, you'll thank me. You go on Cave of the Winds, and when you go on there, they take you down into the, the, into the island, 180 feet down into the belly of the island, and you come out at the bottom of the Niagara Gorge. And what they've done is they've set up a whole plank system where you can walk out on the rocks on these planks and you can look up at the falls. And it's incredible. And people are out there, they give you a slicker and they give you booties. Well, they don't give you booties anymore. They actually give you, they, check this out, they actually give you these little flip-flops now. They, like 20 years ago, they gave you booties, but we were just up there a couple years ago and they, they give you um, these little flip-flops, these little Niagara Falls, Cave of the Winds flip-flops. And it was so funny, not too long ago, a couple months ago, I was getting gas in um, Orlando and um, this, this Chinese guy next to me was getting gas and he had the Niagara Falls, Cave of the Winds flip-flops on. I kid you not. And I, and I actually tried to talk to him and he just ignored me. I said, yeah, the flip-flops. And he's like, you know, you know. So... <laughs> This would only happen to me, right? <laughs> when you're at Cave of the Winds, when you go out onto the deck, what you want to do is you, there's one last platform that you want to go up on, and it's called the hurricane deck. And when you go up on the hurricane deck, this is when you can literally stand under the falls, and, the, and there's a portion of the falls that come down and just splash down on this hurricane deck. And it's a rush. It is awesome. It's just like, oh, this is, you know, that you just feel this water and you're thinking, man, what a, what a place to be standing. And you close your eyes and the water is just beating down on you. You're like, man, just the power of it. Yeah, the power of it. In fact, the power from the falls is what gives elect electrical power to a, to, to, to a lot of that portion of, of New York State. In fact, they changed their minor league uh, team. They used to be called the Niagara Falls Pirates, and then I went by the stadium, and they're the Niagara Falls Power now. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to come upon us in power so that we can be ready, so that we cannot be like that guy before he was Captain America. He wants to give us power, and it's his power. And he wants to fill us and so that we can be ready for the spiritual warfare that we're in. 